Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with the scripture reading and a message. We would love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins on the corner of Napa and Hopkins. Or if you connect with our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley. I'm Sharon Strawn, and I'm going to read today's Holy Scripture. Today's Holy Scripture is written in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. It's found on page 71 of the New Testament of your Pew Bible. And it's very familiar, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Listen with new ears. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, same as two days' wages, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Here ends the scripture for today. Maybe hearing the scripture this morning you thought, oh good, I know this one. I can uh, catch up on my emails during the sermon. <laughs> or maybe you think, good Samaritan, again, what's left to say? As I thought when I looked at the lectionary last week. The parable has become a little bit cliche 
It's often taken out of context and told in self-congratulatory tones. As with most Bible stories, we are very quick to identify ourselves with the good guys. And sometimes the parable serves to convict us. It makes us feel guilty for every, every homeless person we pass on the street without providing aid. And it should. But it's much more than that. While teaching, Jesus encounters a lawyer who asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's testing Jesus. But the question, <laughs> look at this. <laughs> Fresh water. Like the woman at the well. <laughs> this lawyer, he's testing Jesus, but um, the, the question is important. The question is relevant. Um, in other parts of the gospel, the question is asked, what must I do to be saved? Whether the question was earnest or not is sort of revealed in what follows. Classic Jesus answers the question with a question. What does the scripture say? The lawyer responds with the Sunday school answer. Love your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew and Mark have Jesus speaking those words, but for some reason Luke um, puts those words in the mouth of the lawyer. The lawyer isn't quite satisfied with the answer, and he presses Jesus. Yes, but who is my neighbor? The lawyer wants to know how far this obligation to love a neighbor goes. Who counts as a neighbor anyway? Again, classic Jesus answers with the parable, the Good Samaritan. As one theologian put it, once upon a time is now. My dad, being an evangelist and being his mother's son, often talks in parables, in similes and metaphors. I don't know if it's intentional, but it's, it's absolutely endearing and sometimes quite aggravating. <laughs> Comparing highway traffic to our relationship with the Lord, Sometimes engaging visual aids like soda cans and kitchen knives on the table between us. And on occasion breaking into song. In every situation there seems to be a nugget of gold, spiritual gold buried deep in there. And by God, my dad's going to find it. Often, almost always taking the long way around. And I'm sure there are moments when the disciples said, oh my God, another story? Jesus, can you just tell us what the answer is? <laughs> the story told in this chapter goes like this. A man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was robbed, stripped, beaten, and left for dead. A priest passed by and crossed the road to avoid him. A Levite passed by and crossed the road to avoid him. But then a Samaritan passed by and was moved with pity. He bandaged his wounds. The scripture says he dressed his wounds by pouring oil and wine on them, which I am not sure is good medical care, but he stopped and helped. That's the point. He carried him to an inn and he paid for his stay. The story is scandalous to Jesus' audience because Samaritans were not supposed to be the heroes in Jewish stories. They were, in fact, an enemy, uh, considered spiritual imposters. They, that they could be lauded as the hero in a story, as the good guys, probably grated on the nerves of some of those who were hearing it. The Samaritan is, in effect, the foreigner who saved the life of a man whose own community had left him behind. Jesus asks the lawyer which of these three, three was a neighbor to the man who had been robbed. And the lawyer replies, the one who helped. It seems like the lawyer can't bring himself to say, the Samaritan. 
answering the question, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, you know it, so do it. Jesus does not focus on right belief. He doesn't focus on or linger on the laws. He talks about love in action, a lived faith. To put the story in greater context, we have to realize that a chapter earlier, as we discussed last week, Jesus had been denied housing in a Samaritan village. You may remember James and John asking, should we call down fire from heaven to burn their village down? Which, to which Jesus replies, whoa, calm down. <laughs> Just a few verses after that incident, he makes the Samaritan the hero of his story. A member of the community that has just rejected Jesus. Jesus always disrupts our comfort of being right. As soon as we figure out that we deserve a little bit of revenge, or that we can alienate those who have alienated us, Jesus says, nope. Which I find really inconvenient at times. <laughs> Barbara Brown Taylor says, we are all capable of surprising each other every day. Jesus puts good and Samaritan together in his hearer's ears for the first time. Sometimes, Barbara Brown Taylor says, you have to start telling a different story before a different kind of future can unfold. Well, amen. You have heard it said, we are the good Samaritans, but I say to you, we might be in the ditch. Amy Jill Levine of Vanderbilt Divinity School says, we should think of ourselves as the person in the ditch, and then ask, is there anyone from any group about whom we'd rather die than acknowledge she offered help or he showed compassion? Moreover, is there any group whose members might rather die than help us? If so, we know how to find the modern equivalent of the Samaritan. If we're the ones in the ditch, who would we rather die than get help from? Just give that a second. Who was the last person you would want to receive CPR from? There's your Samaritan. A miracle here may just be that from the perspective of the gutter, it seems like old feuds and fears and stereotypes fade away. In the ongoing battle between Christian conservatives and progressives, the thing that concerns me most of all is that we progressives get fired up about the things we know to be true, that God's love is for all, the gospel is a love story, and then ironically, we struggle to be loving toward those on the other side who don't seem to love us or love us the way we think they should. The whole message of the gospel of love is that when loving is convenient, it's easy. And even well-meaning tough love is manipulative but here in this parable and in the broader gospel, Jesus calls us to what I call tougher love. Because convenient love is for those who agree with me. And tough love is for those who don't agree with me. But tougher love is for those who never will agree with me. And just for the record, that kind of kill them with kindness love doesn't count as tougher love because it has an agenda. And the hallmark of tougher love is that it surrenders all, in, all of its agendas to the Holy Spirit. My concern in progressive movements for justice is that we struggle, we wrestle, resist, and sometimes we lose our commitment to nonviolence. Nonviolence in word and thought and deed. I've been struggling with that myself. I have to keep asking, what does the gospel demand and what does the gospel allow? 
About 15 years ago, a young Palestinian boy named Ahmed Khatib walked out of his family's home carrying a toy gun. You can guess what happened. He was shot by Israeli soldiers. And that is what happened, but it's not the end of the story. When Ahmed died two days later in an Israeli hospital, his parents acted in shocking and tremendous grace. They donated his organs, his heart, his kidneys, liver, and lungs, which were transplanted into six Israeli children, four of whom were Jewish. For the families of those Israeli kids, that family, that Palestinian family, may have been their Samaritan. Achman's mother said, violence against violence is worthless. Maybe this will reach the ears of the whole world so they can distinguish between just and unjust. Maybe the Israelis will think different of us. Maybe just one soldier will decide not to shoot. And she went to meet those who had received her, her son's organs. And she greeted them saying, you are our children now too. As problematic as it might seem for an oppressed person to make a sacrifice or a sacrificial act towards someone that is perceived as the oppressor, the question stands, which of these was a neighbor to the ones in need? What must I do to be saved? I don't know about you, but I'm seeking salvation every day. I keep being saved from myself, from my cynicism, from my tendency toward unforgiveness. And I keep finding myself in the ditch where the grace of God is magnified in the face of a loving stranger, the other, even my perceived enemy. And I think, oh God, don't make me see the light of Christ in that person. Like that lawyer, we know the Sunday school answer, but are we living it? The hard truth is that we're not always saved by those we believe love us. Sometimes God works for the, through those whose love and mercy spills over the edges in spite of themselves. Sometimes God shatters our image of the other in the process, revealing that we are not so different from the them that we strive against. Father James A. Wallace says the story of the Good Samaritan is more than a parable about a helpful stranger. It is about the transforming power of God at work in those who travel the dangerous roads of the world, moving us to the fullness of life, eternal life, here and now. In the moment of silence that follows the sermon, I invite you to hold in your mind the image of that Samaritan in your life that enemy, that other, that difficult person, that person you would rather die than receive CPR from. Hold that image in your mind. And as we sing the hymn that follows, hear the words, love lifted even me, even me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Lifted by love, even and especially when it comes from an unexpected place. Where are we being called to that tougher love? Where is the gospel inconveniencing us? We're on a journey to perfection, and sometimes it's a dangerous road. But if God calls us to it, God calls us through it. Thanks be to God.
Just like, like, like a river, like a river, originate in his heart, and the light, like, like a fountain, springs from, springs from, from the sun. Then we find light dough emerge from emerge from from our joy There comes a time when we need to stand up stand up for our own voice